Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our third episode of Christmas Monsters and our final episode of the year. Hmm. What a year it has been. We have covered so much. I feel like 2022 was just such a fucking quick year. Was it not? It definitely was. Yeah. I feel like it just started still. Or like maybe we should be like a quarter of the way done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, 2022, we had second year, full year of podcasting. Mm -hmm. But also the first time you and I met an actual fucking person because we were internet friends before that, which I don't know (laughs) if everybody knows that, but we maybe we mentioned it before. I think we did when we first talked about meeting. But like if you've listened to us from the beginning or like you've come back and you've started like listening to our old episodes, I just want you to know like the power of internet friendships that like... (laughs) You could like fucking Zoom get to know somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then what? She came here to Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Mexico together. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a fucking hoot and a half. I loved it. And then I'm going there in January. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going back to Arizona in March. Yeah. We just we're going to see each other like every month. It's going to be great. It's fantastic. We're very excited. Very excited. But 2022. What a fucking year. Yes. Yes. Have you had a favorite episode that we've done this year, by the way? Ooh, that's hard. I know. I know we, we've talked about it like a, a million times now, but I really liked our Satanic Panic episodes a lot. That now is talked about more, which is kind of cool. And then I really liked our Doppelganger and Multiverse episodes, too, just because it's like weird and you get to like kind of fight with yourself whether or not that actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Agreed. Agreed. What about you? Um, without a doubt, Satanic Panic was my favorite episode of the year, but also perhaps ever. Like, I think that that was one of my favorite episodes that we've done because I felt like it became so current and like it was already in a lot of pop culture stuff, but it became like kind of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it colored the way that I looked at cases. Yes. Moving forward and how I considered them. And I'm already very like a staunch believer of like innocent until proven guilty but i think it really kind of sheds the light into like we say that in our country but do we mean it yeah and i thought like it was very thought-provoking i'm also scrolling through our list of episodes because this was not on our outline i was just like i wonder but like (laughs) i mean bridgewater triangle was fun mainly because i had never heard of it and then us like kind of diving into it i thought it was very very fun yeah Mm-mm-mm. what else we got jersey devil was a good one jersey too. devil did you just want me to say it i think you yep, did i did i i did caught you or uh fish boy or <laughs> which one was that you mean beady eyes and a lipless slit at lake lanier yeah uh yes yes you didn't sing the song though so i'm a little <gasps> disappointed I'm sorry. no you didn't you said you didn't say the magic word you said fish boy say it fish head fish heads fish heads roly-poly fish heads fish heads fish heads eat them up yum which i'll also have you know that my bestie damien was like we've all heard this song so apparently it's not strange for me to know it it's strange it's strange for you to not know it and i've had several conversations with people and they've all said the sexy teeth are your sharp teeth yeah, but what'd you and call them? There is no other acceptable answer, but I they are not called incisors. They're called canines. I don't know. I'm not a fucking teeth scientist, but <laughs> everyone agrees in the world, with the exception of you, that it's your sharp teeth. You know what? Maybe I'm just too uh just just too cool. You're just too different. Well, obviously, clearly. <laughs> You're like, not yeah. like other girls. Or because I don't really have them. <laughs> I don't, they don't stick out as much. I don't have Maybe them I'm either. It's sad that I don't have them. And then that means what? I don't have good teeth? No, it means that you just don't have a sexy tooth. <laughs> <laughs> You'll Thanks. never be a, a tooth porn star. <laughs> a kink for everyone. You know, crush my dreams. Crush my dreams. No, look, you are there for the exact people who think that the front teeth are the sexy teeth. You are their queen, their leader. <laughs> 
I can't help that. Great. Great. So what else do we do this year? We have learned how to measure things properly. <laughs> not in inches. Not in anything that goes in a ruler. It's in other things, like 12-year-old boys. <laughs> uh, we also yes. learned a lot about blobs. We did. A lot about blobs. So much about blobs. I-, I hope that like it comes through in our episodes, the joy in which we have when we find something very bizarre and we're like, well, we need to tell someone about this. Because like half mm-hmm. the time that is absolutely what we're doing is we're like, oh, my God. And I think like that's one of the things that makes recording this and doing the research for this so much fun is that it's like, is it weird? Is it creepy? Well, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Also, just in reference to your um, song there, when you're like, everyone knows it, perhaps in the land of beige, oh. we don't we don't sing and have fun. You guys, if we don't sing and have fun, I thought that you were going to no. say there's not a lot of seafoods, there's not a lot of fish heads, but I mean... Oh, I mean, that, that might be an explanation too, but I think it's more... That's probably part of it, but... <laughs> the land of beige doesn't enjoy happiness. No, it's just... Uh... <laughs> I'm excited to see the colors of the world. I'm so excited for you to see Maryland. It's going to be such a fucking fun time. And while you're here, we can go on a ghost tour. Love it. And we'll put more information up as it gets closer. But maybe we can see if anybody else wants to come with us. We can do like a group ghost tour where it's just creeps. True creeps versus the ghosts. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we talk about the actual episode today? Yeah. I mean, Christmas monsters, right? Yes. Because... And we're heading, we're in it, I guess. Holiday time. Scariest time of year. We've reached the, probably, no, I'm not going to say it because we'll find more next year. We'll fucking find them of Christmas monsters. We'll find more. We'll find more. <laughs> we'll find them. And there's other versions of some of the ones that we've already discussed too. Yeah. But I feel like, I, I hope we can prove ourselves wrong, but I think we've done the scariest of them because we've already talked about Krampus, Graya, Perchta, you know, Birch on a fucking perch. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> the Yule Lads. And our favorite cat of all, the Yule Cat or Christmas Cat. So better put on a new sweater, right? Mm-hmm. Bell Snickel, Father Flog, that terrifying Scarecrow. <laughs> I forgot all about him. Oh, never forget the Scarecrow. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to our Christmas Monster episodes. They're a fucking, mm-hmm. again, hoot and a half. Yeah, they're great. They're great. And you need to see what we're talking about when we talk about Birch on a Perch, because didn't we say that her and the Blair Witch hang out too? I think so. The Blair Witch does a lot of things. She's going on a lot of places. <laughs> and, uh, you know, now we're back to tell you about a few more, because apparently Christmas is actually the second Halloween now, or has always been the second Halloween. I mean, fair. I think it's fair. I like it. I like it more when it's scary. Yes. Well, let's talk about some traditions slash stories they have a little bit of hint of creepiness to them but i also just think a lot of these are interesting because they're similar to things that we do in america for christmas but maybe a little different yeah so first there is a norwegian superstition that you should hide your broom on christmas eve and they should be hidden in a place where they cannot be seen so not just like between your wall and your refrigerator like where i put it Uh, or behind your basement door because you don't ever close your basement door so you would never see it like truly away and this is because if evil spirits or witches awake they will take them and ride across the country what a time like it's like them stealing your car right they're like where are these brooms (laughs) bring them out behind a door like i've already broken into your house another door is simply too much work Right. And it like calls to them. So they'll go into your house and you don't want the evil spirits and witches. And I saw a debate like, do the witches bring the evil spirits? Is that their plus one? Is it either or? Like there's so many different stories, but collectively. The idea that like witches don't just exist as like people. Right. That they're awaking. Like they've been hibernating since like, I don't know, insert date. Because (laughs) I feel like just the idea of it. Okay, sure. But so another Norwegian tradition is leaving porridge or Christmas dinner leftovers out for Fianissen or Nisse, the barn elf. Now, I'll say those feel like very drastic offerings because cold porridge versus like Christmas dinner leftovers feel substantially different. Does it not? (laughs) He's just supposed to be given a meal. And sometimes a drink along with it. Yeah, he's appreciative, you know? So he's described as small, no bigger than a horse's head. 
and wears gray clothes, knickerbockers, and a red hat. I love it. And look, we're keeping with our tradition of never measuring anything with a fucking ruler. We never will. Ever again. It's no bigger than a horse's head. That's what everything said. And I was like, great. Fantastic. Horse's head, perfect measurement. It's not 12-year-old boy. I'd say maybe half a 12-year-old boy. Quarter, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, a horse's head is pretty long. I'm like, you know? Depending on where you're measuring the horse's head, right? Oh, are you including the neck? I wasn't including the neck. I was including, like, things that would cover the skull or the head, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Sure. And the hat is also similar to what Norwegian farmers would wear. Also, the inside of the hat was gray. And if you turned it inside out, he would be so gray that he would turn invisible. Convenient. Question for you. Yes. Is there an Arizona version of this where it's beige on the inside? (laughs) Pretty much everything we do, right? Yeah. You could just disappear standing next to the house because... Yeah, you put on a pair of khakis and you're, you're gone. Yeah, you're gone. Okay, so Nisei was a good helper around the farm and he was rarely seen, and he helped as long as he was treated well. And the tradition is that one of the things that farmers would do to show their appreciation around the holiday is to leave him a meal out on the table or counter so that he could help himself. But if they failed to do so, Nisei would become mischievous or harm something on the farm, like people or animals, which this sounds a lot like Alucius to me. It does, yeah. But so we saw one story where the farmer left some porridge out, but Nissa didn't think he left any butter in it. So he got pissed and then murdered the farm's best milking cow. Dramatic over butter. I mean, I like that what you were saying was he was dramatic over butter. And I was like, everyone knows you got to put a little butter in. I'm also like, I don't think I know what porridge is now that I'm thinking about it because I'm thinking of it as grits. But is it oatmeal? I think it's more oatmeal-y, but not quite either of them. What? is porridge. Let's ask the internet. What are you going to learn true creeps? Who could say? What's the difference between oatmeal and porridge? Oh. Oh, see? I was closer to oatmeal. I'm right. Oats with water and milk. Yeah, but no, here's here's what's different, is that porridge is not just oats. It's any grain that's chopped up, and then it's kind of like boiled. So it's like a starchy type of situation. So it could be, sometimes people will use corn or rice. Oh. Interesting. So I could definitely see why you need a little bit of butter. Also, okay, do you eat oatmeal? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, do you eat grits? No. Why? What's the difference to you? I don't know. I mean, grits is cornmeal, but like there is a difference in that. I mean, I guess granted, I haven't tried like well-prepared ones. Like it's not a common thing here. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fair. So like that might be it is like I've tried it at like, I don't know, a Denny's or something. And I was like, this is not good. Yeah. Like if you haven't had like good (laughs) grits that are like kind of doctored, then it's a different vibe because my ex made it first and now it's continually how I will like casually eat grits is I'll put some curry powder in it, some salt, a little bit of butter, cheese and sriracha, and it's delicious. I think that you would hate that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you could do like butter, some cheese, and then maybe like, is there a certain spice that you put in like everything? I just want it to be sweet like oatmeal. There are people who eat grits sweet. But I don't respect that. <laughs> it just feels wrong to me. I don't know. I don't. I, again, I probably haven't tried them. So. It's the consistency, probably that like things that are in that like pudding, ice cream kind of like yeah goo sustenance, if you will. Like, there's not a lot of like savory goo that's not soup. Savory goo that's not soup. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if, if that's not appealing and selling it for you, I don't know what is. <laughs> I love a good savory goo that's not soup. But anywho, we're talking about Nissy. Okay, so remember, he killed a fucking cow. The best milking cow because there wasn't butter in his porridge. And after he realized the butter was just at the bottom, he went to the neighbor's house and stole their cow for the farm because he was like, my bad. Yeah. My bad. That You're right. That was a bit much. Like, I could have taken a fucking second. But also, like, why was the butter on the bottom? That's kind of weird. Because it settled. Settled to the bottom. You don't kill a cow over butter. Like, you don't kill a cow over butter? I didn't get my butter. Fuck this cow. Like, that's absolutely not, like, my reaction, right? I'd be like, I'll just help myself to some butter while I'm fucking here. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever. But anywho, some still take part in the tradition while others have changed it a little bit. And the tradition of Yulanessa is a tradition that sort of combines Nisa and Santa. And so Yulanessa looks a lot like a barn elf, but he visits homes on Christmas Eve with presents. And his greeting is, are there any good children here? And sometimes he demands the children sing to him before they can have their presents. And I will say, like, 
okay, first off, adorable. But also, I don't know if I can remember any particular movie that it's from, but it sounds so familiar that, like, Santa would come in and say that. But, yeah, minus the children having to sing. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) But I like that it's, like, evolved from, like, killing cows over butter to, like, this little elf thing coming into the house and bringing gifts. Yeah. So let's move on to another interesting Christmas story. And this one is said to originate from South Africa, but there have been people that have tried to investigate the story and try to figure out where it actually came from. And no one can actually figure that out. So a lot of people say it's from South Africa, but it could just be a story too. But this is the reason not to eat Santa's cookies. Oh, shit. So the story goes that there's a little boy named Danny, and he ate Santa's cookies while his grandmother's back was turned. So she like baked the cookies, I believe sat them on a counter, and then he ate the cookies. When she realized what he had done, she got extremely mad and beat him to death. Goodness. Now it is said that Danny's ghost visits houses on Christmas Eve punishing bad children that misbehave. I feel like Danny should be punishing abusive grandmothers. That would make more sense. I feel like the story is just to tell the kids not to fuck with Santa stuff while you're trying to prepare it. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. But I would also just say as a ghost therapist, Mm -hmm. I think that until Danny reconciles with the fact that he needs to like take vengeance for his grandmothers and, and he didn't deserve that behavior, he cannot move on. Yeah, it's a little extreme. It's a little fucking extreme. Jesus. But yeah, I loved that people were like, we need to find the roots of the story. And they were like searching for someone named Danny that died around Christmas time, like a child. And they're like, we can't find anything on it. And a lot of people from South Africa don't really know the story. But everyone that tells the story online says it originates from South Africa. So what an interesting Christmas urban legend. Yes. So here's another one I want to discuss. And I think it's more sweet. It's a sweet Ukrainian story. And the reason I looked this one up is because, of course, we love spiderwebs. And in honor of Ben's spider wife. I also want to bring up that I also now have a spider spouse that lives outside my bathroom window. And his spider wife went missing. Oh, no. And I was like, I'm like, my condolences. This is also a good time to tell you that I have a spider spouse. And he was like, well, maybe she moved. And I was like... Well, then that means that she left you for me. That's my spider spouse now. You can't just take them because it's in my bathroom window. It's on the outside. I just need to tell you that because if it was on the inside, I'd be screaming. Thank you. Thank you. They would like hang down and like unfurl themselves. Be like, hello. <laughs> Think a like, dinosaur in uh, Jurassic Park. <sighs> like, like that. That sounds a little scary. It was, but they're on the outside, so it's okay. And because... I am a gremlin that always leaves my bathroom light on. There's always a lot of like bugs flying towards it. So it was a very bountiful area for my spider spouse to eat. And so I was like, you literally cannot steal my spider spouse. Like, it's absolutely, it's a no-go. You cannot do this. And then he found his spider wife. She was back. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. She came back and into like where she originally was. He was like, for days, he was like, I think she's dead. I don't know what happened. He's like, she was sleeping a lot. You're monitoring, like, the health of the spider. <laughs> he cares about her, okay? It's his spider wife. But anywho, I also, there was also a praying mantis. Oh, no. I haven't seen my spider spouse since that praying mantis. <gasps> On my window. Do oh, no. praying <laughs> mantis <laughs> eat spiders? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's my spider spouse. Oh, you didn't save your spider spouse? I think my spider spouse has eaten. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, no. I haven't seen them in a minute. This story has taken a lot of turns. It took it a turn. Anywho, Amanda, tell us about spiders in Ukraine. Okay, so the Christmas spider story. There's a couple versions, but a poor widow and her children lived in an old hut. And outside their home, they had a tall pine tree. And the pine tree dropped a pine cone that started to grow. And the kids were very excited because they could have finally a Christmas tree if it grew. Oh. So they tended to the growing, hoping, you know, that it would be big enough so that they could bring it inside for Christmas. And in other years, they weren't able to afford a tree. So it was just very exciting for them. So come Christmas time, 
The tree was big enough. They bring it inside. But the family was too poor to purchase any ornaments to decorate the tree. So that Christmas Eve, the family went to bed a little sad knowing that they would you know, wake up Christmas morning to a bear tree. And the spiders heard the kids crying mm-hmm. and decided that they wanted to help. Oh. So in another version, the spider lived in the tree when they brought it inside and the mother didn't have the heart to make her leave her home. So what happens next was just like a kindness back to the family from the spider. But anyways, either way, the spider or spiders created beautiful webs on the tree. And so when the kids woke up, they were excited and they woke up their mom and they said, mother, you have to come see the Christmas tree. It's so beautiful. And when the mom woke up and stood in front of the tree, she was amazed because the sun was shining on the tree and the webs turned to glittering silver in gold colors and it made the tree sparkle and twinkle. And this also may be the origin of tinsel. Okay, Amanda, it's Christmas morning. Ollie comes running into your room. Mother, mother, (laughs) come look at the tree. It's magnificent. And you come out and your Christmas tree is covered in spider webs. What would you do? Because the shrieking that would come from me would be (laughs) otherworldly. Well, it depends if the the sun was hitting it just right and made it twinkle. (laughs) I don't think the twinkling would register in my shrieks. It's an illogical fear of insects that I have. I have no control over it. I'm terrified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spiders can live outside i don't want them inside but anyways so that was version one and it's cute and yeah i think that that would explain the origin of tinsel yeah i like that it makes sense so the second version is also very cute in this story the mother was cleaning up for christmas and so the spiders all fled up to the attic because they wanted to escape being scooped up by the broom so then that night christmas eve the spiders came down to look at the tree Same thing. They brought it inside, all of that. And they were so excited and thought the tree was so beautiful that they wanted to get a closer look. And they ended up on the tree. And by the time they were done looking, they realized that they had left webs all over the tree. So it looked a little dusty and gray. And so that night when Santa arrived, he saw the spider webs, but he smiled because he was just so happy that the spiders were happy. But he knew that the mom would be heartbroken in the morning if she woke up and saw the tree looking like this. So what he did is, of course, he used the Santa magic. Love it. And he turned the webs into strands of silver. I love a spooky Santa, by the way. That is like a spooky, whimsical Santa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then, of course, again, same thing. They wake up. The tree looks pretty. They're all happy. So now, from what I saw, spider webs can bring good fortune for the new year. And Ukrainians decorate their tree with a spider web or a spider ornament. And... These pictures of these ornaments are absolutely beautiful. And now I'm obsessed with them and the Christmas spider story. The ornaments are like stunning. They're so beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about our first kind of Christmas monster. Mm. Can be a little scary. Some people are probably scared of them, but I thought that they were kind of fun. And they are lutins. And they're part of French folklore. And the word translates into what we would call like a hobgoblin, pixie, or leprechaun. And there are several stories that involve them. So we're going to start off with talking about their relation to Christmas, and then we'll move into something a little different. I like it. I like it. And they're pretty much Christmas elves. Like when you think of a Christmas elf or like Santa's elves, that's what they kind of look like, at least from the pictures that I've seen of them. And it sounds like a Luton is what actually inspired Christmas elves or things like Elf on the Shelf because their stories are pretty similar. And the elves work with Santa or Father Christmas during the day, and then they cause mischief at night. They aren't really scary or bad like some of the other ones that we've discussed, but they're more of like a inconvenience because of their pranks. And their pranks are more on the silly side, though. But just because it's interesting... There are different variations in different areas of the world. And in folklore in Normandy, there are different types of household spirits. And there's also a couple short movies on YouTube called Luton or the Lutons. And in Quebec, they're spirits in the form of animals because they can shapeshift. And as an example, completely white cats are considered to be a Luton. And basically any common animal can be one, but especially white animals. But then, oddly enough, in some of the stories, it's the complete opposite, and it's black cats that are associated with them. 
And basically any distinctive animal that lives in or near a home could potentially be one. So they can be good or evil. And good ones can do a pretty big variations of things like control the weather or <laughs> shave a man's beard before he wakes up on a Sunday. How helpful. Which I feel like if you've been tending to your beard, you'll be very upset. <laughs> that does not feel like a good thing. I think it was more to like prepare them for Sunday morning. Like they're all ready because they don't have to get up and shave. I guess, but I do not want anything sharp like coming <laughs> at my face, but we'll take it. Bad ones or offended Lutons can harass the homeowner with minor inconveniences like, you know, filling your shoe with pebbles, tying your shoelaces together. They will dull your knives and scissors and in some stories can become invisible and you can hear them laugh at you. <laughs> Disrespectful. In some variations, they can also be charmed or bribed into becoming guardians. Again, look our Lucians. If you are polite to them and leave them food and offerings in the kitchen after dark, very important, they'll become helpful. But if you leave them anything with too much salt, they will not be happy because they don't like salt. And if you keep them happy, they will do a lot of nice things for you, like guard your children, your animals, your house, and your land. And they will even do some of your chores at night while you sleep. What a fucking dream. I absolutely need one. Right? How do I apply? Please. Please. <laughs> I will leave them so many foods. So many fucking foods. So you know how in one of our past Christmas monster episodes, we joked that a lot of these Christmas monsters were like tamed down when they made it to the States? Yeah. Well, this one transformed into something completely different when it got here. Love it. This is the first time where I'm like, it got creepier. So in Detroit, there's a creature called the Nine Rouge. And it's also been called things like the Red Elf, the Demon of the Strait, Detroit's age-old guardian. And he's an urban legend from French and American folklore, but with sort of a twist. Also, some now argue that it could have some native origins. So there's a lot of places it could have come from. So let me tell you about him. He's unlike the other Lutons. And he's an omen of misfortune and terrible events to come for Detroit. Also, he doesn't look like a typical Luton. Remember, those kind of look like little elves. This guy has blazing red eyes. And that makes me think of Lucifer and him, you know, chilling near the Denver <laughs> oh, airport. Lucifer. It's been a minute since we talked about you. <laughs> right? My favorite. He has rotten teeth. And he he's a small childlike creature with red or black fur boots. He's a sight. He's the boots with the fur boots with the fur yeah <laughs> one source I, I just thought this was hilarious listed his hobbies as dancing punishing bad people and protecting and supporting detroit look i'm fucking loving this i love it <laughs> what a fucking treasure and a delight yes and he protects detroit by appearing which that signals to everyone that it's a warning that something bad is coming so like to prepare and he doesn't necessarily cause the bad. He's just like warning people. And I just love how varied his hobbies are. Like Mothman. So let's talk about his legend. He attacked the first white settler of Detroit in 1701. And that settler was Antoine de la Moth Cadillac. He founded the site that would later become Detroit. And the company Cadillac used his name for their company. So soon after being attacked, Cadillac lost his fortune and had some other not so great things happened to him. And he, along the city, were thought to have been cursed by the Red Dwarf. And the first written version, though, from Hamlin's Legends of Le Detroit was published in 1883. And it tells the story a little bit differently. So Hamlin's story included a fortune teller with a black cat appearing to Cadillac saying things he wanted to hear and some warnings about his intended decisions. And she also tells him to appease the Nine Rouge and to be aware of offending him. Then... When met with Nain, he hits him with his cane. This fucking respectful, my guy. This is a bad idea. You meet a mythical creature and you're just going to attack him? Yes. You don't have magic? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Anyway, so after Cadillac hits Nain, he hears a voice that says, you offended him, and continues that by doing so, it will bring him ruin. Then things like being in prison and losing his fortune happen. 
So then, per legend, the Nain Rouge appeared again on July 30th of 1763 before the Battle of Bloody Run. And just as a quick summary, this is a battle where British soldiers attacked Chief Pontiac's encampment along the creek. And Pontiac's forces fought off the attackers, killing many soldiers and their commanding officer, which actually caused them to retreat. And so much so that a small area of the Detroit River turned red with blood for days after the battle. So clearly a very bloody battle. Yeah. Then the Nain Rouge is said to have been seen dancing on the banks of the river. Interesting. Yes. Kind of scary. Yes. There's also multiple sightings of him before the 1805 fire, which destroyed most of Detroit. Before General William Hull's surrender of Detroit in the War of 1812, he reported a dwarf attack in the fog. Hmm. Other sightings were also in 1884 and 1964. And then in 1967, he was seen twice, once before the 12th Street riot, and then again before a huge snow and ice storm that hit the city. And two utility workers, I guess, at this one thought that they saw a child climbing a utility pole. So when they approached, the creature jumped from the top of the pole and ran away. It was not a child. Or it was a very agile child. (laughs) And strong to climb up that pole. <laughs> right. And then this one was uh, a little silly, but in 1996, it specifically says two drunken nightclub patrons believe that they saw him fleeing the scene of a car burglary. The the sheer just like range of, of things that people are like attributing to the name Rouge, I think, is my favorite part of this. It's kind of like, oh, probably the name Rouge. <laughs> So in 2010, the tradition of the March du Nain Rouge parade started. And at the end of the parade, an effigy of the creature is destroyed, thus banishing the evil spirit from the city for another year. People are encouraged to dress up so that when he returns the next year, he won't recognize those who banished him and try to seek revenge. There are also people from the other side of the argument that call themselves the friends of Nain Rouge, which I would also venture to say that I'm pro Nain Rouge. Yeah. yeah. But uh, not facial sores. <gasps> Rude. So those that are friends of Name Rouge <laughs> protest his banishment each year and say he isn't a plane. Most of them are playful, but some very much dislike that Nane is seen as the villain because they think that he should be seen as the good guy and that he should be appeased like legend says, which also like every fucking legend is like, don't be a jerk to mythical creatures. Right. And then they're like, let's have a parade and banish him. This seems like a bit much, Detroit. Also, his friend said that he should be seen more as a helper because he's trying to ensure that nothing bad happens to the city. If he's the thing you see before a bad thing happens, it doesn't mean he's the cause of it. It just means he's present. But anywho. Yeah, he's present. He's trying to warn you. Yes. He's trying to say, prepare. Something bad's happening. Okay, so our next one, Amanda has been so pumped about all week (laughs) to discuss. She was like, look at his memes. And I was like, yep. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay okay i love this tradition i want this tradition i was talking to mike about it last night and i was like this is so fun and he's like no it's not that sounds horrible <laughs> like, it's so fun i'm so excited for it the welsh know what's up what we're going to be talking about is mary lloyd and the first introduction that i had to mary was that she was a rap battling zombie horse that wants to come inside your house to raid your pantry around christmas time so that she can you know, eat, feast, have your drinks. I fucking love this. Absolutely. See, it sounds so fun. So with that being said, let's explore her origins because they're fantastic. So her origins are mysterious, but the tradition tends to take place with Welsh families. It is unknown how the custom started or how it actually got its name, which is a little interesting, you know, like something a lot of people do, but no one knows why. (laughs) One thought is because Well, the Welsh translation could be Grey Mare, and this would like connect it to the heritage of pale horses and like Celtic and British mythology. However, another translation is Grey Mary. And so maybe that's where the first name came, unknown. And then some scholars kind of argue that she may be linked to the nativity scene or story. I don't know. But most sources overall that I could see say that they believe that she dates back to pre-Christian pagan origins. So I could see, like, if it was that long ago, how it would have changed a bit and, you know, what uh, a lot of the customs that we talked about in, like, the Halloween Origins episode that we did, like, how it changed over time. So no one's really sure. The first written record is in Jay Evans' book from 1800, A Tour Through Part of North Wales. 
And the tradition has a lot of similarities to other hooded animal customs in Britain, like the hoodening in Kent, the broad in the Cotswolds, and the old tup in Derbyshire, which all of these I was kind of, you know, looking a bit and it seemed like they match what her description is. And we'll talk about that. So Mary is a horse skull with a white cloak over her. A horse skull. <laughs> so and we tried to find anything on like why it was a particularly a horse skull and not just like a large animal skull. So outside of the translation of mare and people thinking mare, Mary, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we saw that some people believe that a horse skull can repel evil spirits. So maybe that's why this particular type of skull. And so, okay, we've got a horse skull with a white cloak on it. And underneath that skull, there is a person with a pole like up into the base of the skull, kind of like where the neck would go, right? And there's a person underneath that kind of like hiding in the cloak, if you will, that's holding up the skull, the cloak, the pole. Her eyes are lights or little baubles. And she typically has streamers or holly and some ivy hanging off of her. So some nice greenery, some color. And this isn't just a stationary horse skull. This person can control her jaw and has it snap at people like a fucking puppet. And so I love it so much. So fucking weird. I love it. Like, I love it because it's just such like a mystery soup. Right. And it and it they say like it could have been derived from some of these other. They have a lot of hooded animal customs, but like everyone has a different opinion as to where she actually came from. So I love that it's just up in the air and everyone is wrong and everyone is right. I love a big old question mark. So Mary's taken around the village between Christmas Day and the Twelfth Night. And sometimes she's decorated with festive lights and other holiday decor. But we've also seen that some celebrate her around Halloween and May Day too, which also just makes me think of like... <laughs> I don't know if this is an Arizona thing or West Coast thing at all, but like people who have like a stuffed goose, not a real goose or a duck, and they decorate it in like different outfits. So my Nana had one and like she had the goose and it had like a 4th of July little like dress. And then it had like a bikini just for the summer. And then it had like a Santa hat and cloak <laughs> and then like Easter bunny ears. That's what I'm envisioning is this like horse skull that's just like it gets like a Halloween pail, like a black cloak and like maybe like some devil horns for Halloween and like oh a gosh. nice spring outfit for May Day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the goose. Maybe. Obviously. Do you have that near you? Have you heard of this? Is this a bizarre thing to you? I mean, I feel like I've seen like weird dressed up geese <laughs> that people have. But uh, here people tend to just like they dress up the rocks, their wreath. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 or maybe like, you know, those like round signs that everyone has. Oh, yeah. And like they'll Velcro like a pumpkin or Velcro like a flag. I got you. I got Is that you. the same? No, I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's the same vibe, but... Okay, let's talk about Mary. Of course, she has an entourage. So she's accompanied by a group of people and the entourage approaches a house and they sing a Welsh song or wassels. Uh, and of course, we were like, what's a wassel? We love saying wassel. Okay, so a wassel is basically a Christmas carol. But let's talk about like how we got to that word because it starts very differently. It starts from Middle English and wassel stems from was hell, meaning be in health. And wassail was also the name of a, a spice drink that was comprised of mauled ale, curdled cream, and roasted apples and eggs. Sounds like something. I'm like, here's my thing is that like when you mix booze together with like other stuff, people who like do mix drinks and stuff like that, sometimes it's like, I don't even know what's happening behind the magic. Like it could be fucking fantastic. And you use mulling spices and I'm like, ah, oh, amazing. So delicious. Maybe it is. <laughs> so those who shared their giant, what was called a wassail bowl of their drink were, quote unquote, wassailing. So also, just to paint a picture, the bowl of drink sometimes could hold 10 gallons. Whoa, that's a lot of, that's a, that's a big bowl. That's a big bowl. So they would share their drink. Are they carrying this around? No, they're drinking it's like a punch bowl. Yeah, kind of. It's like a giant punch bowl and they'd share their drink. And that was wassailing when they're sharing their bowl of drink. And the term evolved to describe the custom for begging for booze around Christmas time. Hmm. And then in some parts of England, people go into the apple orchards and sing songs 
make loud noises, and dance around to scare off any evil spirits, and also to wake up the trees so that they will give them a good crop. Also, because I just thought this was super interesting, and I had never heard of this before, I did, I never really thought about where it came from. Also common to place toast, which has been soaked in beer or cider, into some of the large branches of the trees to feed them and thank the trees for giving them apples. And this is where the term to toast someone with a drink comes from. That blows my mind. Right? I never thought about it. I did not know that. I asked Mike and I was like, do you know where the term to toast someone comes from? And he's like, oh, yeah, isn't it something putting toast near trees? And I was like, how do you know this? I was a little mad. <laughs> yeah, but he likes he likes the history. So like he strikes me as a person who would be like, why do we do this? And then look it up. So <laughs> one definition of wassail also says from going house to house at Christmas time singing carols. So like. It just like evolved into a lot of different things. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so confused by this word. But like, I think that we can take away that horse head on a stick, white cloak, decorations. We're going around in a group singing, sometimes snapping at people with said horse skull. Yes. Yes. And now it's going to get even better. Fantastic. So <laughs> more traditionally, the group takes part in a ritual called Punko. And what it is, is it's an exchange of rhymes with the person who lives there. So they walk up to this house, they're making a lot of noise, they're singing, they're doing all of this. And then the person answers the door. And then it turns into a ritual of punko. And from the videos that I've seen, they being the group that goes to the house, and then the other person being the person that opens the door, go back and forth with reasons why or why not Mary should enter the home. And some say it's a battle of wits through poetry. So again, like a rap battle. I love it. I love it. And the videos are great. So when the person who answers the door runs out of reasons why they can't come in, they have to open their door and allow the group inside. If Mary gains entry, it is said that that brings the household luck for the next year. Also, in some of the celebrations, the person who let the group in shares their food and drinks to celebrate. And so they're wassailable, right? Like they're drink. Are you going to a stranger's house? It's like your neighborhood. So like it's not a full stranger. So I'm sure they, I mean, most of the time know, know each other. Okay. Because in my head, I'm like, I was thinking a stranger and I was like, I am not going to go in some stranger's house and be like, we're going to have a party here and I'm going to eat the food and drink that you <laughs> give me. I mean, it sounds fun. A little deadly, but. It sounds fun if you know the person. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely like, look, we've discussed the proximity of my family to where I live. I don't know how I'm going to procure a horse skull in this short of notice. I heard that they're very pricey, too. I'm sure I could find a plastic horse skull. <gasps> Bank and 3D print me one. Never mind. Oh, my gosh. Please. Oh, please oh, do how, I love it so How much. jealous are you right now that I'm going to have a 3D printed horse skull? Oh, not too bad because I'm just going to steal it in January. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> so I can do this. But I love too. So when Mary gains entry into the home, she's still kind of a trickster and she'll snap her jaw at the kids, if there's kids inside, or the people that answered the door. So like some of the videos I saw, the group enters and like Mary's still like slapping away the jaw and it makes a sound because, you know, it's a, it's a skull. So it's a little scary. Yeah, I'm sure it. it is. There's like teeth <laughs> still. Now, not surprisingly, this tradition has been seen popping up all over the world obviously including the United States. And a few years ago, Mary came to Los Angeles for pagan pride. In Philadelphia, we saw pictures from Twitter from January 2022 of people being very confused. And also, just Mary memes are like a 10 out of 10. I love this so much. There is a, a Krampus Knot parade here that I would be very surprised if there was not a Mary version here. And <gasps> that would be if so we can cool. get it together in time. Maybe I can convince Ben that we need to take her there. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Because like, again, her origin changes. Like some people say it came from those other traditions. And it, you know, when I said like they would um, beg for booze, they'd also beg for other things, too. So it, like could be the representation of famine. Hmm. But like just how it evolved into like the rap battling Christmas horse skull. Zombie horse skull. Zombie horse skull. And like, <laughs> we're going to share some of these memes that I found like 
that's how I actually found the tradition is through a meme. And I was like, what is this? And like one of them, you know, the stupid table and it's, yeah. it's her at the table and it's Mary Lloyd is better than Krampus. Changed my mind. It's the whimsy of it. I think that I like so much. It's kind of like no fear, only good vibes. <laughs> like she's a like a horse skull that is here to eat your food, but also here for a good fucking time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With her group of people. And like we didn't go too much into the group because they sometimes dress up as certain characters. But just knowing like it's a group of people surrounding a horse skull. So good. And then, of course, just we're going to share some of these memes. I love them so much. I was like cackling, researching for this one. And Mike's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm just looking at this horse skull and what it does. They truly are excellent. Well. Whatever you celebrate, we hope you have a fucking awesome time. Yeah. And that the rest of your 2022 is fantastic. We are, again, so fucking excited for all the stuff we have planned for next year. It's a 10 out of 10. We're we're not recording, but we're not really taking all the time off. It's... Oh, no. How can no. We, uh, we have a lot to do. Uh, how can we, like, hit 2022 running? 2023. How can we hit 2023 running? We're not oh, getting man. very far We're not already. coming back. No. Uh, <laughs> do you know more about Mary? We want to know. Do you want to go on a ghost tour with us when Amanda comes to Maryland in January? Keep an eye out for a form that will be on our website so we can gather information for people for that. If you're on our Patreon, we'll talk about it in our Discord because we are chatting there all of the time. All of the <laughs> we'll time. also probably put it in our Facebook group too. So if you haven't joined the Bat Bonfire, go ahead and do that. And uh, if you are interested in our Patreon, that's on our website, the link to it. Check that out. We have a lot of fun tiers. If you haven't already left us a review, if you have a moment, do that on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook. Still, if you send us a screenshot, we'd be happy to send you a sticker as a thank you. We hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season, chill season, whatever you do. And we will see you again in 2023. Yes. And thank you a bazillion the highest of so many things. Thank you, thank you, thank you for creeping with us this year. It's been such a fun fucking year and we've appreciated every single person who's listened, who's left us reviews, who's commented on Instagram posts because the algorithm like when people interact or liked a photo or shared an episode with a friend. We appreciate you so, so fucking much. We very much do, yes. And with that, have a good weekend and rest of your 2022. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Ooh. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. <laughs>
That's just the land of beige. You described it perfectly. Someone in one of our neighborhood sites was like, I just moved here from the East Coast and everything seems so cookie cutter and boring. And is there a better city to move to? And we're like, no. (laughs) Is there a better city to move to? Yeah. Anything with like any sort of personality? And everyone's response was like, no. I sent her a list of demands of where we're going or where we're going to move. Oh, they're so easy, too. I was like, oh. We're good. You're going to you're going to be fine. (laughs) Now, I don't think Mike's going to want to bicycle a lot of places because like the places where it's close enough to bike, maybe the roads are in a way that you wouldn't want to bike. Like, for example, where I live, there's a massive hill and there's like a dip and then it comes back up. If you were to ride a bike down that hill, perhaps you, like my grandmother, when they crash their bicycle would bite their tongue off. And then have it sewed back on and it was fine. It was fine. So like he'd still be able to talk is what you're saying. (laughs) Disrespectful, especially because it's not like Mike's like a chatterbox. He's like, be quiet. I need to turn my NPR up. Like he does. He's he's a he's a quiet man. I feel like Oliver's called him out every time he picks him up from school. He's like, mom listens to music. And you're always listening to these people talk. (laughs) Look, my dad listened to NPR growing up. And I remember like he would come on and I would just get nauseous. And like now I love NPR, love a podcast, obviously. But like my dad would also listen to like the most strange things on the radio. And like (laughs) my brother and I would like joke because he would be like we would get in the car and he's like, oh, time to put on like this obscure radio show. And it was like, oh, it's time to listen to like plastic bags in space on WTMD at at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night. And we're like, what? And he would put it on, like, ready for whatever, like, bizarre thing was on the radio. We're making fun of that, but we talk about blobs, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Vans Hardware Monster. I Look, guys, Amanda and I are getting a tattoo while she's here, and I am trying to convince her to let us give the write-up to the tattoo artist and be like, draw us what you think this looks like <laughs> and the tattoo artist is the one that did my mothman and loveland frogman on my thigh so like she's incredibly fucking talented she's done a bunch of cryptids for ben she's like really good but i'm like let's let her figure out what this is that's what i'm trying to convince amanda of <laughs> we'll see we'll see my fingers are still crossed look i like a creepy christmas i am hosting thanksgiving at my house we're recording this the week before thanksgiving but i'm hosting and 90 percent of my serving ware is spooky it's ghosts it's like spider webs <laughs> it's little tiny ghosties that kind of like a pattern and i was talking to my mom and i was like i'm gonna say this once and i'm not gonna argue about it i do not want anything of yours i'm hosting it is simply a fact that it is spooky thanksgiving and she was like what and i was like all of my serving wear predominantly is spooky. Therefore, it will be spooky Thanksgiving. And she was like, but I have so much you can borrow. And I was like, no, no, it is at my house. <laughs> spooky Thanksgiving it is. Perfect. Love it. And I'm like, so excited. <laughs> I think everyone's just gotten used to it when they come over here. They're just like, okay, yep. There's a lot of Ouija boards, a lot of Ouija board serving trays. There, I mean, like Amanda's house is sponsored by Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Ouija. Hear me out. Do you think that there's like a record for like amount of Ouija board decor in a home? (laughs) Because I think that you might win it. And it's like subtle, though. It's not like giant Ouija boards. It's like you want to serve something. There's a Ouija board tray. You want to get a coffee? Ouija board cup. Ouija board like serving stuff. Cutting board. Cutting board. Ouija board. Pillow. I think it's all a pillow. Blankets. Oh, yeah. For sureties. I have a blanket. Yep. Mm hmm. Carrying groceries in, maybe in a tote. Oh, I do have a tote. You're right. It's subtle. It's great. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my butter. Fuck this cow. 